I think it's going to be a little better next week. This is the hottest September we've ever had, but it's nice and cool in here this morning. So look at someone and say, thank God for air conditioning. Thank God that we are cool, we're not hot, we're not sweaty, we're not sticky. And we have committed the first hour of our life this morning in worship, in praise to Him. If you brought your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to go with me to Genesis, the fourth chapter. Uh, I'm sorry, the third chapter. One of the most, if you were to have a top ten, this is probably the top uh, two or three uh, story in the Bible. One of the most uh, misunderstood and misquoted and uh, mispreached. Uh, a lot of people have alluded to, to things that aren't in this text, but it is probably one of the uh, most talked about texts in the Bible. And it begins immediately dealing with the spiritual and the natural. There is a natural realm and there is a spiritual realm. There's not just a third dimension, but there is a fourth dimension. There's another dimension that uh, our physical eyes cannot see, but our spiritual eyes tell us that it's there. And as we look at the negative of the spiritual dimension, the enemy in the negative operates through depression, discouragement, fear, worry, concern, uh, he, that's how he operates in the spiritual negative. The way that God operates in the spiritual positive is love, joy, peace, the fruits of the Spirit, and all that God has for us. We choose what realm uh, that we live in. We were created body, soul, and spirit, the Bible says in Genesis 2. We are made in the likeness and the image of God. We know that we are body, soul, and spirit. Those are three glasses that need to be filled. And the body is filled with working out and uh, getting in shape and looking good. You do for the body. The soulish man is the knowledge, the information, the education. The spirit man has to be filled with the things of God. You can't fill the spiritual man with the natural. You can't, you can't fill the spiritual man with the soulish. You have to fill the spiritual man with spiritual. We're all on a journey. We're looking for something. We're obviously, we want to know where we fit in. What's our purpose? What's our place? What's our destiny? And God is not hiding that from us. He's hiding that for us. And it's hidden in his word. In the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the word and pursuing the things of the word, reading the word, getting the word in our spirit, getting our, getting our, our process in order. In Genesis 3, we are introduced to a serpent. There have been so many thoughts concerning the serpent. Apparently, uh, when he was created, uh, he walked upright. He wasn't a snake. Uh, he was a, the most beguiling, craftiest creature uh, that God ever created. And we're going to see in just a few minutes how the enemy uses the serpent. Uh, some interesting things concerning the very first verse. Did Adam and Eve talk to all the animals? Was there a way to communicate with the lion and the bear and the uh, butterfly and the moth? I believe there was. I believe they had the ability to, they were sons and daughters of God. I believe they had the ability to communicate with uh, animal life. Uh, if uh, they hadn't, there had been a little bit more explanation here. 
but it simply talks about, and let's see if you will, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle or crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. I want to tell you this morning that we're going to look at three areas that the enemy uh, tries to hurt your mind. There's a song by uh, John Lennon that talks about mind games, and the enemy loves to play mind games. First of all, the enemy wants to isolate you. Secondly, the enemy wants to interrogate you. And third, the enemy wants to intimidate you. And here we see in the garden that the enemy has effectively has sequestered Eve. She is alone. Adam is not in the picture. Adam is not in this conversation. The enemy goes to the woman and begins to communicate with her. The first thing the enemy wants to do in our life is to separate us. That first separation comes from our parents. When we turn 18, we assume we know it all. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. And uh, we remove the influence of our parents. Uh, how many in this house, you moved out when you were 18 or 19? That you, you moved out. How many in this house, when you were 18, uh, you were thrown out of your house? You were, uh, anybody thrown out of your house? How many, when you were 18, you were paid to leave your house? You received a large amount of money. Uh, there is, uh, uh, Christine said that uh, she wanted her downstairs all tiled. And I said, well, are you going to live here a few more years? Because if you get married the next month or so, I'm not going to tile the whole basement just for that. She said, no, I don't think so. Courtney lived with us uh, until she got married, and she saved all that money. I never charged her rent. I never charged her groceries. I never charged her for electric. Never, I never required a dime from her. And from Christine, it's a little different. She got a little better paying job, so we intend to enforce upon her uh, rent and groceries and all the things, you know, what is so funny is that when you turn 18, you want to move out and do your own thing. And when you begin to move out and do your own thing, you begin to realize how expensive things are. You can't move into an apartment without the first and last and deposit. And then when you move in the apartment, it's nice to have furniture. It's nice to have a bed to sleep on, a couch to, to sit on, a chair, a, a dining room table, refrigerator, microwave. You can't live without a microwave. You got to have a TV, and the TV doesn't just run. You got to have cable, and you got to have internet. You got to have, and next thing you know, you realize what your parents were providing for you free costs thousands of dollars to duplicate or match. I'm here to tell you, you need to live at home as long as you can and save your money and buy a nice car and a nice gold chain around your neck and all the all the toys while you're at home. Because once you move out, you're limited, you're broke, you're going from paycheck to paycheck, you're, you're, conning, you're, you're pawning your gun and guitar to make it to the end of the month, you're borrowing money from your parents. But what the enemy wants to do, he wants to separate you from that influence, from that, that paternal influence. The second thing the enemy would like to do, and we see division here uh, in the family of God, the enemy wants to separate Husband from wife. He does not want them walking in unity. He doesn't want them walking in harmony. He wants to do everything he can to try to separate and divide. And being divorced, I, I, I relate to that. I, I went through that. I experienced it for three years. It's a, it's a, it's a horror. Uh, it, was, it was anguish. It was painful. And uh, God miraculously did not allow me to remain divorced. But God talked, 
common sense into Pastor Rhonda, and uh, she realized what she had lost, and she regained it, and uh, that was very smart on her behalf. And uh, we, do, we do everything together. Uh, we decide everything together. Uh, we plan everything together. Uh, I don't have a separate checking account. I don't have anything in the house that's hidden. We're very open. We're very transparent. And we talk with one another through decisions and trials and challenges that we face. We do it together. If the enemy had his way, he would separate us and try to get us to do our own thing so we wouldn't have the ability. The Bible says, how can two uh, lay down? One gets cold, the other one keeps him warm. Uh, one comes under attack, the other one defends, defends him. Uh, if one falls down, the other is there to pick them up. And that's why it's important to have people in your life. I shared with somebody last week, God did not create you to be alone. He created you to be married. He created you to be a parent. He created you to be healthy and happy and whole. Those are the plans that he has for you. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want to rebuke you. He wants you to walk in the things that he has ordained for you to walk in. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And so God made a companion. God made a companion for when Adam was created, he was whole. There was nothing missing. There was nothing lacking. But as he began to name the animals, he began to realize that for every guy, there was a girl. For every goose, there was a gander. For every buck, there was a doe. And uh, he, he realized that. And then God, that's when God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And God allowed Adam to go to sleep. And he cut him. And he took, uh, the Hebrew says, uh, the, the womb but we, we think it was a rib. He cut, he cut Adam and took from Adam that which made him complete and made him incomplete. And then he created a woman or made the woman to complete the man. And that's, that was God's purpose. That was God's plan. God, it was God's purpose and plan to have children. He is the one that said, go and replenish the earth. So as you have your parents in your life, you have your husband and your wife in your life, and you're walking in agreement, the enemy can't isolate you and try to hurt you and sneak up on you and attack you. It's when you're walking by yourself that you are the most vulnerable. And that's why God did not, does not want you isolated from the church. I have people in my life, they watch church on TV. They pay their tithe on the Internet. And that's the way that they roll. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says, bring your first fruit. doesn't say mail it. doesn't say Internet it. doesn't say social media it. It says bring it. Bring to the house of God. Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see that day approaching. And as we are living in the last of the last days, we're seeing prophetic things happening right now in the nation and in the world that's going to usher in the presence of God, the, the second coming, the rapture of the church. Never, never before and never after has there ever been a time when we need to stay planted and focused in the purpose and destiny that we find in corporate praise and corporate prayer. Things happen when God's people get together and begin to declare his goodness and his mercy and his favor. I'm reminded of the story uh, of a uh, famous missionary. He had uh, traveled the world. He invested most of his life in, in ministry. He had some challenges. He had a physical challenge. There was something wrong with him physically. He was obese. And no matter what he did to try to lose weight, he could not. And uh, he, was, he was so heavy at the place where he couldn't sit in a normal chair. If he sat on a couch, he had to be helped up. And uh, it was embarrassing, but it was just, it was just what he lived with. And uh, every uh, year or so, he would come back to America, 
and he would raise money for his ministry, then he would go back to the mission field. And one particular year he came, uh, I believe it was Michigan, and uh, he began to pastor a church while the church was waiting for another pastor. He began to pastor the church and uh, was a very good preacher, and the church did real well. And there was a couple in the church that he really, he really liked. He was drawn to them. They, he, just, he just enjoyed being around them. And from time to time, he would find some reason to go to their house to take something over there. And he would step in that little narthex there, and he would knock on the door. And they would come to the, they would come to the door, and, and they would say, Thank you, Pastor. Come on in and visit for a while. And while they're asking him to come in and visit, he's looking over their shoulder to see if they had prepared a place for him to sit. Because he couldn't sit in a normal chair or normal couch. And he never went inside he never sat down because there was not a place there for him to sit. When we come into the house of God and we begin to, begin to praise and we begin to worship, we actually begin to build a place for God to sit. He said, I dwell in the praises of my people. And you can't do that at home. with, with and, and I appreciate Christian television. I appreciate Christian radio. Uh, we're ministering to someone right now that was horrifically abused as a child horrifically abused as a wife, is having some real, some real struggles with depression, and we have connected with her. She actually, I believe, gave her heart to the Lord uh, when she was seven. I preached a revival in Illinois, and uh, she was about seven or eight years of age, and through the years she stayed in touch with us, and uh, I, I called her this week and asked her. She texted me to call her to see how she was doing. And I said, listen, I said, keep praise and worship music going 24-7. Don't turn it off. Keep it on. Keep it in the house. And she texted back and said she was doing that. And, you know, that's a blessing. But that doesn't bring the, the corporate anointing. That doesn't bring the corporate favor of God. And when we begin to agree in his name, the Bible says, in the midst of the church, will he sing praises unto thee. So when we come and we start singing, the Lord starts singing with us. Now, that may not mean anything to you unless you had someone in your life that sings real bad and they try to sing with you. And I was thinking, I was thinking of Angel and Austin. No matter what key I started the song in, they always changed the key. And it sounded horrible. And I thought, there's nobody in the world that's worse than Austin. And then I started hanging out with Michael. And Michael is worse than both of them. He get, he, he's... Uh, He's flat, he's sharp, he's all over. He adds words, he makes up his own words. He, he murders the 70s rock music. And, and, but we have learned that when we do that, it's a joyful noise in the Lord, and the Lord realizes it, the Lord receives it, and it makes a place for him to sit. The enemy does not want you in the house of God. He does not want you submitted. He does not want you consistent. He doesn't want you faithful. He didn't want you tithing or attending. That's not what he wants because if he can, if he can separate you the way that a, that a wolf will separate a sheep from the flock, if he can separate you from the body, he will devour you. That's what he does. There are three areas he operates. He accuses, he tempts, and he deceives. Uh, we go through accusation. The Bible says that when we are accused for his name's sake that we are blessed. We go through temptation. The Bible says that the Lord will not allow the enemy to tempt us any more than we're able to handle. But the deception, the enemy every day tries to deceive you and try to trick you and try to manipulate you. 
And when you've got godly counsel in your life, you're hanging around godly people, godly voices in your life, you can bounce those things off of them and you can hear the word of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. But if you don't have that connection, there's got to be a connection. There's got to be a, there's got to be a covering. There's got to be someone in your life you have more confidence in than yourself. And you submit to them and you listen to their counsel and you accept their counsel. And hopefully it's good godly counsel. Uh, this, past, this past week or so, uh, my best friend Al was, was hit with a, uh, a, a challenge in a job that he bid. And uh, the challenge was overwhelming. And we prayed about it. We talked about it. We, we, we let it set a couple of days. We let it, we let it just, just uh, lay dormant for a couple of days. We prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord impressed upon me to tell him that if the customer wants something added, then there needs to be an invoice that increases the cost and, and they need to agree to it and it's in a deposit. I bounced that off of him. He thought that was good counsel. He did it. He created an invoice. And on the invoice, uh, the invoice was three times more than the original bid. And the customer said, we want it, sent the deposit, and now they're going to go and do the job. You need someone in your life that's able to give you counsel, godly counsel. Someone in your life that, that, that has no hidden agenda. They're not trying to lord over you or, or, or be better than you, but they're in your life to bless you. And don't allow the enemy to isolate you from the things of God, the purpose and the plan of God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. It's you and me today. Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. There's a revelation here, Gene, that the first one to quote the word of God was the devil. The first one to speak the word of God was the devil. But it distorts the word. When Jesus was tempted of the devil after he had fasted 40 days, the devil quoted scripture to Jesus, but he misquoted it. The devil can't tell the truth. He's the father of, of, of all liars. He's not just a liar but he's the father of all liars. There is a devil that we contend with. There, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, uh, put on the whole armor of God, for we wrestle, not against, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. There is a lieutenant assigned to this season, to this region, to this city. He operates under the mandate and the direction of the devil, and he wants to do everything he can to destroy he comes for three reasons. He comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. And as we, just this past week, we've had people in our life that have overdosed and lost their life. I saw on the news that in Illinois there was another shooting, and uh, several were killed. And I think about the enemy coming to kill and steal and destroy, and, and how the enemy convinces us to do some really stupid things to an awesome body that God has given us. And we, and we manipulate it, and we, and we, we uh, uh, what word am I looking for? We hurt it, we wound it. Uh, I was speaking with someone yesterday, and, and my question was, who would take a marijuana leaf and dry it and smoke it? How did that, how did that come to be? Who knew to take a grape juice and ferment it and, and drink it? I mean, I mean who, would, who would take pills and crush them up? And snort them. Who would take uh, heroin and take a needle and shoot it in, in the vein? Where does that all come from? That all comes from the enemy. Right. The enemy. The enemy has taught the nation, has taught the world how to medicate, 
how to over-medicate, how to get hooked on medication. And a lot, of, a lot of good people got hooked on medication because they got hurt, they broke a bone, they had a surgery, and they were prescribed a medication. And the doctor kept prescribing and, and you kept taking. And next thing you know, what he gives you is not enough, you gotta have more. So you start taking your money and you start paying twice, three times what the medication costs and you live every waking moment, try to determine how you can get more medication. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. He wants to isolate you from your family, isolate you from praise and worship, isolate you from your marriage, from your, from your children. That's the way he rolls. But the fruit, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the Lord, ye shall not surely die. Be careful when the enemy starts trying to intimidate you. Be careful when the enemy tries to tell you, you're not all that in a bag of chips. Be careful when the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. That great work is intimidation. God has not given us the spirit of intimidation, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I've seen people in my life that were intimidated by the spirit of perfectionism. I've seen people that were intimidated by the spirit of procrastination. I've seen people intimidated by guilt or worry or frustration. That spirit of perfection, there's so many things that you won't try because you try to do everything perfect and you've been taught, you can't believe, or, or you've been told you can't do it correctly, so you don't try it at all. That's a trick of the enemy. Then he would try to intimidate you that you can't get good grades. He would intimidate you and say, you can't get a good job. You can't get a good companion. I, I look in this house, and I look at, there are people in this house, they didn't go on the dating game, they didn't go on social media, uh, they didn't play that game. They were faithful and consistent in the things of God, and because they were, God brought their companion to the house of the Lord. Amen. And how cool is that? That's the way that God moves. That's the way that God operates. But anyone wants to intimidate you and say, you're a loser. You're this, you're that. You'll never mount up. You'll never be good enough. Those are all lies. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And the Bible says that power is a sound mind and, and the power of God. God has given you a sound mind that has the ability to reason and has the ability to reconcile and has the ability to revive and has the ability to respond. God gave you that kind of mind. It's a powerful, it's an incredible tool that God has given you to overcome the attack and the things of the enemy. Then all of a sudden, the snake begins to question Eve. And then he begins to intimidate her. And then he begins to interrogate her. Don't allow the enemy. Matter, matter of fact, it's probably wise not to listen to the voice of the enemy, but to do what the scripture says, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, I don't know if you remember that story, but Jesus was sitting around with all of the uh, uh, disciples. And he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're Elijah, some say you're Isaiah. And, John, and uh, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what a revelation. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. 
and no, no longer shall your name be called Cephas, but your name shall be called Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. What a, what a, powerful, what a powerful opportunity. What a, I mean, for Jesus to change your name to rock and make you something stable, and for you to be told that you heard from heaven that God revealed this to you about Jesus. I mean, if you're not careful, you'll allow all the things people say about you, you'll actually believe, and you become prideful. And so then Jesus said, I, I need to tell you what's about to take place. We've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to, I'm going to raise up on the third day. And Peter uh, said to Jesus, that's not going to happen on my watch. That, we're not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to take place. And Jesus looks not at Peter, but at the voice that was speaking in his inner ear. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that Peter was full of Satan, but Peter was speaking into, Satan was speaking into Peter's ear, and Peter was re, re, repeating the words that he heard the enemy say. Be careful that you don't listen to the words the enemy says because you'll probably say something incorrect or something that will hurt and harm you the rest of your life. Do I have a friend in the house? Amen. I conclude with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, says, casting down vain imaginations, and bringing into captivity every thought. When the enemy tries to isolate you, when the enemy tries to intimidate you, when the enemy tries to interrogate you, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Know the thoughts that he has for you. Know the things he has for you. Search out his purpose. Search out his plan for your life. And operate in that plan, because I promise you, it's a good plan. Can we pray? We thank you for the opportunity to worship you today corporately. We thank you.